I'm Greg Cothran. Aiden Mudson. Marcus Arboe. And this is the year that we beat Shrine. It's been 11 years of hard work and suffering, some of which we have not been all here for. But each year we've came back harder and harder, and this is the year we finally beat them. They scored two goals early on. Their fan section was going crazy, and we were one, two, three. Shut them up, and we just held out for the rest of the game. We got to play with a broken wrist, a couple players injured their leg, and we still came out on top. Yeah, well, this game meant a lot to us because we're rivals, and every single time they bring their student section, we bring ours, head-to-head, -head, combative, hardcore play. Every single time, everybody's going after the ball. Like, there's a bunch of fouls. Everybody's trying to put their 100% into the game. And, man, the energy's really tense out here. Yes, sir. It's been a minute since we beat them. The atmosphere couldn't be better tonight for both schools. It was a great game. And a way to come back for us. Welcome, listener, and thank you for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. We opened up with sound from the victorious Bishop Foley. Uh, they had an absolutely historic come-from-behind win over their arch-rivals Shrine on Tuesday night. How's it going? My name's Robert Kerr, host of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game and the beautiful game being played right here in the Great Lake State. Uh, such a momentous moment for those uh, young men on uh, the audio. We had Captain Greg Cothran, uh, Junior Aiden Lutzring, and Senior Marcus Harbury. And uh, you could feel and hear the emotion in their voice uh, not only did they win their first time in the rivalry game in 11 years over Shrine, but the boys from Bishop Foley came from behind three goals in 12 minutes to get that uh, historic win. Uh, just the gravity of that moment and the dr drama of coming back from two goals to win 3-2 to two over your rivals with such emotion, uh, they would be my nomination for this upcoming week's Team of the Week, a combination of of Michigan Soccer Central and We Are Soccer. We combine uh, uh, all the nominations sent between our two accounts and nominate the team of the week. And this week it was Allen Park High School. They deserve it. Huge nod to Allen Park High School for being the Michigan Soccer Central. We Are Soccer Team of the Week. They won with the nomination for doing uh, a cleanup on campus ahead of the new school year's um, open house. So congratulations to Allen Park Boys Varsity. Uh, kudos for your community service because you can be nominated for the We Are Soccer, Michigan Soccer Central Team of the Week with your on-the-field antics and off-the-field service. Uh, anything positive both on the field or off can get you in there. And like I said, my nomination, I'm going to throw that in the chat. Uh, the Bishop Foley boys getting their first win over Shrine in 11 years, I think is momentous enough to give them my nod. On the program this week, though, uh, we are going to hear some great segments. I got uh, some post-game reaction in Hamtramck on Saturday night. Another draw at home, 0-0 uh, between Detroit City FC 
And in the 11 USL championship action, I have uh, the boss, Trevor James, as well as uh, Grand Rapids native uh, Brad Dunwell. Uh, the frustration was palpable. And uh, check out the uh, the video I made. I made a 0-0 in 30 seconds video. And it kind of encapsulated what was a festive crowd. And everyone wanted to be up for it on the holiday weekend. Still got a good crowd in the gate, despite it being in the middle of a big holiday weekend. But it was pretty palpable. Uh, the frustration from the players. And uh, uh, there was kind of a, a, a bit of a, a fervor uh, cycle getting excited for half chances and then it never able to reach a crescendo with a goal. So be sure to check out that video. And uh, we have the post-game commentary from, uh, or comments rather, from the boss and the main man in the midfield. But following that, we are going to have a great interview with Ian Gilmore. And he has a great perspective of not only that game, but of the college scene in Michigan here, uh, just a couple games in, and uh, we happen to be following the same games throughout the week, and uh, he used to freelance for Detroit City FC, and uh, just a couple months ago got a gig as the, I just wrote it down, he uh, just got a gig as the manager of video and content production at Indy 11, so a familiar face working for the traveling team and then also have a great conversation because he is the former Michigan State College commentator for Michigan State's boys and girls. So he's been following along closely and uh, a little bit of a conversation of Michigan-based colleges uh, from uh, the results over the last week or so. So really good conversation from a great perspective. And we also just get into a little bit of his gig and the, the – uh, soccer content production industry a little bit so uh, we're going to hear post-game commentary from Saturday night's action in Hamtramck and then talk to the one and only Ian Gilmore on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Uh, we spoke during the week and uh, you said that the 3-0 win last weekend you were able to breathe easier. Uh, were you more uh, frustrated or nervous on the sideline during the that uh tight nil nil game today I was, I was more frustrated i i, I mean I, I weren't as nervous I, I thought that you know on the on the, the way the game was being played and the uh, where the game was being played I, I thought maybe there was there would only be one winner in the game which i thought was us and uh, so i weren't nervous of that i mean at the end when they had a couple of runs at goal you think well we you know we could lose this one nil now after controlling the majority of the game but mm-hmm. Uh, it was more frustration of not being able to create chances and, and not being able to, you know, our service in the box weren't quite good enough. Uh, so, we, yeah, that's a bit frustrating when you get in good positions and your final ball you know, lets you down a little bit. So, just frustration. Really. Do you think that after this result tonight, uh, that top four in a home playoff game, do you think that's still attainable? Yes. Yeah, I think it's still, you know, obviously we have uh, seven games. So, uh and they're all games that we'll go out to try to win. And uh, we have some, you know, some tough games to play. They're all tough games to play. But uh, it's attainable because everybody can beat everybody. So the teams that, we're, you know, that we'll be chasing 
uh, we'll also have tough games. So it's attainable, but it's a tough job, but we'll be trying to do it. Uh, what do you make of uh, your opponents next weekend if you, as you travel out to Colorado? Um, not seeing too much of them as yet. We just, you know, we focus weekly on the next game. So obviously it starts tomorrow. Probably starts tonight. I'll probably, if they're playing tonight, I'll probably watch the game tonight. So to, today. Um, so we'll start uh, in earnest tomorrow with video and then we, we start on Monday. But uh, I know they're a good team. I know they're very good. The, the, forwards, the forward line is very good and obviously they can hurt anybody. But, uh, but they've had some up and down results. So hopefully they'll have a down one next week. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. With the way the game played out, uh, there was a lot of chances, but never quite the last touch. How many games do you think you would have played before there was a goal here? Wait, sorry, what? <laughs> like, how long could you have kept playing and playing and playing? Like, I, could there, did, is there a foreseeable breakthrough? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I, I think the goal was coming if we had another few minutes. Another few minutes, the goal would have come. I guess, like, uh, uh, what adjustments could be made to, like, make that next breakthrough? Uh, I think... I think it was working, to be honest. We were getting, they were pinned in their half, couldn't get out a lot of the time. And it just, like I said, just it was a little bit sharper with the delivery or the, the run in the box. It, I think it could have been a very different game. Do you think that, uh, did they come with more uh, energy defensively? Because didn't, they didn't really threaten too much on your guys' end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, to be honest, I think it came to the point where they were content with the draw. I don't think it showed, and they got it. So uh, I guess respect them for that. Yeah, so you, you think they, that was their game plan, draw no matter what? Uh, probably not going into the game. It, it's hard to know for certain, but um, come late second half, I think they were definitely happy with the point. We got man of the match. Uh, what does that mean uh, when he man the match but not winning all three points? It doesn't mean anything to me, to be honest. Uh, I appreciate the recognition, but I'd much rather have three points. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, What's up going on? This is Michigan Soccer Central Podcast back with you. A uh, familiar face recently uh, leaving the state of Michigan, but uh, right back here uh, in the Great Lakes State uh, for the holiday weekend. Talk a little bit of Indy versus Detroit City FC and then pull back to Michigan State and some college soccer. Thank you for joining me. The manager of video and content production for Indy 11, Ian Gilmore. Thank you for joining Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Yeah, of course, Rob. It was great to see you at the weekend and uh, good to talk some, it's always good to talk soccer. I can't do it too much uh, these days when I'm out of the office, you know, it takes up my whole time at work. So we got to talk about other things, but uh, good, good to be with you here and ready to talk some soccer, man. Yeah, it was funny seeing you uh, in, in such a familiar spot at uh, Keyworth Stadium, but I, I had to do like a double take. I was like, oh, no, way. but he, he doesn't do the job that, that job for uh, the same team. So working for Indian 11 now, uh, uh, first uh, job out of state on my right. Uh, tell us uh, what you're doing uh, for Indy 11. Yeah, so, you know, you said the official title, manager of uh, video and content production. So, uh, pretty much, you know, all the video stuff that you'll see on our socials, uh, our YouTube channels uh, is me, you know, doing the uh, the producing, the shooting, the editing, post-production. Um, 
And so, you know, it's kind of a, a one man band effort here. Um, and it's everything from, you know, commercials that will run on TV to try to get butts and seats uh, to, you know, little question of the day videos to uh, more produced and, and long form pieces like when we have dropping uh, this Friday, given like a behind the scenes look at our rivalry week when we played Louisville and then Detroit um, this this past week. So uh, anything video is kind of just just what I do. Um, and that's, you know, commercial and um, more team side stuff as well. All right, be sure to check out Ian's work at uh, Indy 11, the foe of the past weekend for Detroit City FC, a team that uh, you know a lot about as well, because uh, you did similar things uh, for Detroit not too long ago, and you were at the game. Um, Nil-nil, what did you make of the, the, the night on, as a whole? Yeah, I think as a, from a neutral perspective, it was probably frustrating. It wasn't a game with a ton of chances either side. Um, I, I say this, I don't speak for Indy 11, so I just want to make that clear. I'm not a mouthpiece for the club. Um, but, you know, just looking at it from a perspective of, you know, an Indy fan, I think that a point on the road at Keyworth is always good. Uh, and I think you'll, you'll have even a lot of DCFC uh, supporters tell you that too. If you can leave Keyworth with anything, you've done pretty well. I do understand the mindset of the gap to the playoffs is wide enough that three points might have been needed. Um, and so I, I, I do understand, you know, the people that are saying, oh, uh, you know, they, why didn't they go for three points? I get it. But I also think that if you can go to Keyworth, frustrate the opponent, frustrate the crowd, and leave with a point, you've, you've done something right. And I think that with the thin squad that we had from Indy, with the week that we had playing number one in the West, number one in the East, and a playoff team in the East all within eight days is difficult, especially when you have a squad that became as thin as it did when we traveled to Hamtramck on, on Saturday. So I think all things considered, a good point. I think that was the game plan, uh, and I, I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, both teams don't quite have the the juice in the legs that they might have earlier in the season and I think that that kind of showed uh in the 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 sound from post game uh from both uh Brad Dunwell and uh the coach Trevor James like frustration definitely there there seemed to be just like a sequence that kept happening over and over and over again of you know Detroit getting into that attacking third pretty frequently but once they were there it was like the same like either a cross that didn't hit the right person or was on the ground and went out for a corner. There was, I felt like a million corners in that game. Um, and uh, basically just, it seemed like the same cycle just on repeat and that could have just kept on going and going. Like they got in and around the area, but not too many just direct uh, chances. And then, um, and then there would be, you know, a slight bit of a counter attack from Indy, but never really came to much it was just like a it seemed like an ebb and flow, but uh, never crescendoed. Yeah, you know, one thing I too, I think our our keeper Tim Trilk did come up big when he was needed. Um, the one that pops into mind was seventy fifth, seventy sixth minute when Maxi Rodriguez made a late run in the box and Trilk had to go down to his left hand side um, and make probably save of the game. Um, I, I think that from just watching it from a neutral perspective, Indy was totally fine to bend but not break. And it worked because they didn't give up a goal and they kept that clean sheet. Um, but I think you could say, too, that going the other way, it's it, it, it's not 
crazy out of the realm of possibility to just grab a goal on the counter and against the run of play too. Um, there's a chance that Robbie Dambrot had where he probably should have cut it back across the across the box and might have had a chance there and then solo shot in the 96th minute or whatever it was. But there was there was slight chances I, I think for for either side and um, I, I do think that the whole vibe around Hamtramck was DCFC was a little bit you know not very happy with just coming up with a point they would have rather had three. It definitely one of the three, and uh, Coach James said that uh, those last couple runs Indy had at the end of the game definitely made him nervous with uh, the no nil yeah. score line. You know, what, one moment you know turns it turns a a game on its head. But uh, with uh, the nil nil kind of in the rearview mirror, um, how has your experience in your role been with a team that's had its struggles like you had a lot of uh, success when you were filming for Detroit City FC and stuff how how is it uh had to work in a uh like an industry sense when the results aren't always uh as easy to to find yeah for sure I, I think you're right so just to give people context I I essentially worked freelance for DCFC for the first four months of the season um typically just shooting on game days and editing afterwards um, and that was like their best stretch in terms of performances and results. So, you know, it was win after win and, you know, beating Columbus in the open cup and then um, finally tasting defeat against Louisville, even though it was, you know, 120 minutes and then PK shootout. Um, so, you know, that my time in Amsterdam was awesome and I, I'll love it forever. And anytime I get to go back there, I think is a, is a really cool opportunity. Uh, and then switching over and going to Indy where we went through a stretch where no wins in 12. And I think that's difficult for the players and the coaches most of all, but it does become difficult for a content side too, because fans don't want happy go lucky content. We haven't won in 12 games. Players probably don't want to shoot happy and, and, you know, sunshine and rainbows content when they haven't won in 12 games. Um, so, you know, it kind of puts a, a, a little bit of a shackle on you in that sense. Um, but the thing is, is the spirits at training and at practice never really dipped. And I think there was a belief in this group that the, the results would, would start to shift. Um, I think you saw even before the, the wins came and the two, three, four performances before those, the performances starting to get better. Um, and so the results just finally came. And so it was crazy going from no wins in 12 to beating number one in the West, beating number one in the East. And that's, you know, your Derby game as well. Um, so it, it, that was cool. And it just kind of turned the mood around at the place too. And, um, I always, it's so much more fun making content after a win than it is after any other result. So uh, it, it's been good to to finally change it around, at least at least uh, from my perspective. I mean, bottom line, simple it is. Like winning's fun, right? Yeah, it is. It's the funnest thing ever. <laughs> uh, tough transition here, but um, uh, being on the wrong end of results, uh, we'll we'll look to the college game here a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I went to Western versus State on Thursday night, which was uh, a 1-0 result that went against State. And then uh, they played, you know, another really, really tough team in Akron and didn't get the result on uh, Monday night. Um, Sorry to bring you on in a a tough (laughs) spot, but uh, what's going on uh, with Michigan State? Uh, right now with the the, the program uh, obviously playing some tough teams but uh, getting some tough results too well it's funny it's somehow western always gets up for that game no matter what um i think it's a thing with in-state opponents too i i, I was told that 
Western has a 15-game streak of not losing to in-state opponents going right now. Um, and, and that's just insane considering the caliber of at least just Michigan and Michigan State. And then you add Oakland to the mix as well. Um, and that's, that's insane. Um, uh, w- one of uh, my, me and my buddies that covered MSU when we were in school, uh, one of our just favorite players to just watch and spectate is Sharp um, for Western Michigan number 25. And we call him an agent of chaos because he gets in the other team's head uh, and, you know, he, he, he tantalizes them and taunts them. And, and then he, he backs it up with his play. I think he got the assist on the, on the one goal against Michigan State on Thursday. Um, and, and then yeah, you go his to friends Akron. were an impromptu uh, cheering section for Western. Yeah. Uh, right. We were actually incidentally sat right next to them. And, uh, yeah, oh, they, really? they definitely uh, – he, he was definitely a standout. And, uh, yeah, impromptu Western section on my his buddies. Yeah, and they'd love to banter with the Rowdies as well, which, you know, I think just in and itself is a good thing for college soccer. If you can have banter between, you know, players and supporter groups and it stays healthy and doesn't get nasty, then it's great. Um, but then, you know, you come off that loss and and that comes after a loss against Notre Dame where you were probably, I mean, you were really out of it for 60 minutes. And I understand Notre Dame, top five team in the country. I do think that college soccer rankings don't really matter until you get to like October because you don't know what each team has. But that's a team that went to the College Cup in Notre Dame. Um, and you almost mounted a comeback against them like you did last year. Um, but a 3-2 loss probably looks better on paper than it was to the eyes. Then the loss to Western. And then you have to travel to Akron, who's top 15 in the country right now, who you haven't won against since 2016, and playing on the road. Uh, against them is is just difficult. It was another game. It kind of felt like the Notre Dame won a little bit to me. Um, they didn't have the goals that Notre Dame did, but um, Akron went up early and then kind of controlled possession, controlled the game, uh, and then got that insurance goal late on. Um, and so I, I think the one thing about this Michigan State team is uh, this freshman class is better than I think I saw in my four years as a total class. Um, I don't think we've seen three, four freshmen start pretty consistently this early in the season um, since probably at least 2018 when it was Perkins and Mutatu and Jack Beck. Um, and and there, I think this group of freshmen is really encouraging. And so I think it's going to take these growing pains. And granted, too, that Michigan State's out-of-conference schedule is always very good. Um, and Damon Redsing talks about how he always wants to schedule those games so that when they happen in the postseason, his team is ready for them and they've been in those situations before. Um, but I do think it, it will have some growing pains this side, just figuring out who is best in the starting 11, who is best coming off the bench, how these players can, can fit together because these freshmen haven't played with the guys on the team before and these guys on the team have played together for two, three, four years. So I think it will take a little getting used to, but I'm really encouraged – by what we've seen performance-wise so far. Yeah, there was a lot of familiar names out there, uh, especially, like you said, in that freshman class, even past guests on the show, like uh, Jack Gugamas and uh, many others and lots of OCFC faces out there. Yeah. Too. It was it was a, a fun night, and I really like the atmosphere out there at uh, DeMartin Field. Like, uh, uh, no campus was like in, 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 what's that? No place like it. I love that place. I miss it so much. Yeah, it was my first visit, and I hadn't really ever spent uh, 
much any time on campus uh, there, at least not in the daylight hours back in the day. But um, yeah, what an atmosphere! I mean, the, the the grandstand was definitely packed, and it was it was buzzing. And you mentioned uh, the Western team definitely jawing with the uh, the the student section. Um, I was I was actually very surprised at how uh, the whole Western team, after they scored the goal, went over in front of the student section. And while they definitely had a go at each other, I was impressed that nobody threw anything because I mean, right. They were right in the, you know, the crosshairs that definitely easily could have happened, but it didn't know that, that that was good. So there was definitely some intensity there and uh, high marks for the atmosphere. And uh, yeah. the, the, the goal was well taken. And in that, uh, that game, the Western versus a uh, state one, uh, they had at least two golden chances that they had created for themselves, you know, centering pass and the, the forwards didn't finish it off on like at least two separate occasions. There were very good chances. Uh, they yeah. could have turned that score line around, but I remember the, the to... Zach Babiak one is the one that sticks out in my mind as one that you have to score, especially playing division one college soccer. You just, you just have to put it in the back of the net and it's one that you look back on. And you're like, Oh, that's, that's one point that could turn into three. Instead it's zero. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really could have gone that way. It was a, a scrappy, very physical game. And uh, there was just a couple, like I said, a couple, just, just a couple mo- defining moments, a couple moments of uh, good football and Westerns capitalized on one of theirs and the two or three that state created didn't happen. And um, you, did you get to see the uh, game against Akron in much detail? Yeah, a little bit. I was, I was driving, so I was listening to it more. Uh, then, you know, trying to catch glimpses on dead highways. Um, but I, I think um, just kind of reiterating what I said before, I think that the play from the freshman especially uh, is encouraging. I do think that the biggest issue we've seen so far is where will the goals come from? Um, losing for Mutatu, I think, is big. Uh, Jake Spatafora has looked really good, I think, early season. Um, I'm wondering where my guy Gianni Ferry is. Because uh, he hasn't played yet this season, I'm assuming he's got a knock because I think he is um, one of their best goal scorers on the team. So uh, I hope he can get into the team pretty soon and provide some goals for him. Uh, stepping outside of uh, your state uh, view, we talked about Western a bit. Uh, you know, looked good in the win list last Thursday, and then getting a winner at the absolute like a buzzer beater, college soccer buzzer meter. Uh, to be off Wisconsin here tonight on Tuesday. Um, what can you say about them? I mean, we, we covered them pretty good, but any any more words on them or any other uh, Michigan-based college teams? Well, that, I mean, that goal and that sequence was incredible. First of all, it was a glorious ball whipped in, especially you heard you hear the announcers counting down from 10, the, the PA announcers counting down from 10 behind you. and in those moments, you're just trying to go as fast as possible. So to have the composure to still play a quality cross in, it was whipped in with a magical left foot and then a, a great finish at the back post. It wasn't easy. It was on the volley, just uses instep and goes past the keeper. And I would never change the rules of professional soccer, but I do love when we get a buzzer beater in college. I think it's one of the most magical things ever. Um, 
Western looks good. They look really impressive. They have a win over Michigan State. They have a win over Wisconsin. They play Northwestern this week. If they go 3-0 against Big Ten teams, boy, what that could do for an NCAA tournament resume if they don't win their conference. And then they move into the conference, and they've got some tough teams to play. If they keep winning, that's going to be a dangerous team come November. Yeah, impressive stuff there. Um, I saw a good college soccer countdown moment at Oakland University last year against University of uh, Michigan. The Wolverines got a buzzer beater at Oakland last year, and I I saw that. That's one of the few videos on the uh, Michigan Soccer Central YouTube channel, actually, is that buzzer beater, which it, I, I I agree, like you, I wouldn't want to change anything, but it is pretty pretty rad moment to hear yeah. the the PA announcer count down the seconds in the game. That's pretty cool. That definitely adds another layer of uh, urgency to the mix and a, a definitive end. Uh, it's a pretty cool aspect of college soccer. And I was again, uh, I got to watch the first half of Oakland University against Butler on Sunday night. And uh, it's kind of a new look, Oakland. Uh, I'm used to seeing uh, Dylan Borzak and uh, Noah Jensen um, and a couple others that were there for so long. And uh, they looked strong and definitely a new look, but uh, kind of got overrun by uh, Butler at times. Uh, it was 1-0 at halftime when I left, and it ended 2-1 for Butler. But Butler has a, a a lot of weapons there, but um, the the kind of new look Oakland w- looked pretty impressive too. Yeah, I think Eric Pogue is always going to do a good job, head coach there. No matter you know what he's given personnel wise, um, I, I don't get to watch Oakland too too often because I guess shamefully I'm usually watching the Big Ten if I can. Um, so full disclosure there, but Butler is good. They uh, head coach Paul Snape there does a great job. Um, they knocked off, is it reigning champions, Marshall, or two two years ago, champions, Marshall? Uh, but 1-0 a couple weeks ago um, at home, and that's um, about 20 minutes for me. So I got to get out there sometime soon and take it in uh, in person. But Butler's always, I, I think, a sneaky program. You never know how good they are until they, until they play against you. And um, I know Michigan State played them in the preseason this year and last year. Um, but I am, I am yet to take in a Butler game, uh, at Butler, a real game, a regular season game, uh, for myself. And I am excited to do that now that I'm close enough to. Yeah, that's an advantage. Uh, you're in the new chapter of your life, but, uh, uh, down there in a different location down there in, uh, Indiana. But, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, uh, looking back at the previous chapter, uh, at Michigan state, you covered a whole lot of games there and you already, uh, confessed that you love the Martin stadium and it's one of your favorite places. Um, can you look back at your time, uh, in East Lansing and, and pick a moment or two that were your absolute favorites? Yeah. I mean, the first one that is there and probably will be for like the rest of my life was, um, the Elite Eight game for the men's team in 2018 when they made the run in the college and uh, the NCAA tournament and got to host an Elite Eight game. I was a freshman uh, and I got to be on the call with uh, with Joe Fryhofer, one of my buddies, um, and that was like the the night that kind of solidified that like this is what I wanted to do uh, for the rest of my life is 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 call games and be a part of uh, soccer as a whole. Um, and even before a couple weeks before that calling, um, a, a big 10 tournament game against Maryland with 
now MLS star, uh, Dane St. Clair. Dewan Jones was a part of that game as well. Um, that, that year was special, I think, for, for David Rensing and his, his, his team in 2018, their run of the College Cup. Um, and I would be remiss not to mention the women's team, too, because there's a lot of good memories there, especially from last year when Jeff Hostler came in uh, and really turned the program on its head. Calling any game with Ava Cook was special. Um, she's going to play for the, the national team in the next three years, I think. Um, we actually, one of the players that on the national team tonight when they played against Nigeria, her name was Sam Coffey, played for Penn State and got to call her game when they came and played uh, Michigan State in the last game of the regular season last year. Um, and then getting to, to kind of cap off uh, my, my time at MSU calling games uh, uh, soccer-wise with uh, the first women's home game in, in 10 years in the Big Ten tournament. Um, and so that was, you know, those are cool opportunities that you only get once or twice. And I'm really glad to have had them. And they're cool to look back on as well. Yeah, it's pretty uh, incredible memories. Uh, so rich in soccer there. And you mentioned that the the career you are shooting for and you know you want to do, uh, we have that in common. Uh we got to do a, a, a couple of uh, UWS games yeah. at the uh, beginning of the season. Uh, what was your pick of the games that you got to do over the summer season? Oh, man. Um, those are such a blur because they were like all stacked together. Um, but I, I do remember it, it was really cool seeing players from Michigan State. Um, those were typically the ones I only had information on because the rest of them, it was hard to you know do research and, and find out where they went to school and everything. Um, but yeah, just seeing them in a different environment, I think was really cool. Uh, and then, you know, seeing the, the younger players they were playing with and how they, you know, could improve them and be mentors and stuff like that. So yeah, that was a fun time. And the, 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 the how, uh, however brief it was in the beginning of, of the summer, it was fun to, to call those games. And with the new chapter where you are now, what's your favorite shot or uh, uh, project that you've done for Indy? Oh man, I do have to first give a shout out to um, one of my favorite shots I've ever gotten was uh, of Maxi Rodriguez when I was at DCFC in the Open Cup game uh, after he scores the penalty against Columbus and he ran with the fans and I ran down there and he looks straight down my camera lens, kisses the badge and then does one of these little shrugs uh, and it's still on the DCFC website. It's one of my favorite shots I've ever gotten. Um, but I think down here in Indy, it's the more you do this stuff, I think the quicker you get better at it. So like the amount of reps you get when it's like your full-time job, I think is uh, something I didn't even realize, but when you're shooting stuff every single day, you start to just improve on little things here and there. Um, and then one, I think say probably my favorite shot I've gotten so far was um, after Stefano Pino scored the penalty to, to, to go up two one on Louisville. He also came straight down my camera lens, looked down it with solo next to him and screamed, let's go. And the lights are behind him and it looks pretty cool. Uh, so shot wise, that's, that's what I got. And project wise, uh, we're starting to, you know, starting to get into a flow of things. Uh, but like I mentioned this Friday, we have a behind the scenes look at rivalry week coming out part of our one of 11 series. Um, and so doing long form stuff is one of my big passions too. So I'm really excited for, for people to see that and hope they enjoy it. Well, very cool. Very cool. Uh, thank you so much for uh, spending so much time, uh, with me. It was great to see yes, sir, you yeah, at, uh, Keyworth Stadium on Saturday, uh, breaking down that game, uh, 
talking a lot of college soccer. Thank you so much and uh, all the best uh, moving forward. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Good to see you, man. That about does it for this episode of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thank you so much for listening throughout the episode. Uh, thank you to my guest, Ian Gilmore, from his great perspective, from being very closely tied to not only the Detroit City FC in the 11 matchup, but the college soccer scene as well. And then, of course, to the staff and the uh, the playing crew for Detroit City FC for uh, granting me the access to get those interviews. And thank you to Coach and Brad Dunwell, of course, and all the guests we've had on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thank you so much. We're just a few episodes into this being a YouTube series, but go back to Spotify, and there's well over a year's worth of weekly podcasts to check out there, Michigan Soccer Central. And be sure to check out Michigan Soccer Central across all the social media platforms. So thank you to Jenny Hajnaki for editing this podcast once more. Thank you to the Michigan Soccer Central core team. And until next time, enjoy your soccer. <laughs>